Hey there, and welcome to the Smart and Simple Matters show with your host, Joel Zeslowski. It's time to stop avoiding and start challenging ourselves, which is what we're about to do right here. This is episode number 82. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back to another episode, and thanks a ton for doing something nice for us both as we spend some quality time together. That's especially meaningful to me after last episode where I got uber raw, vulnerable, and straight up real with you. If you haven't listened to episode 81 yet, titled How Rich I Am, What Angers Me, and The Mess I'm Withholding From You, I've been told from lots of gracious folks that it's the most powerful and memorable episode yet, so give it a listen at valueofsimple.com slash SASM081. On that note, I can't properly express my gratitude for the warm words, the long emails, those uh, purpose-filled tweets that our community gave me in the two weeks since the last episode. Most of that fear that I talked about when I hit the publish button has subsided, and that is mostly because of the tremendous, tremendous response you've shown. Thank you. To get specific about uh, the input, I was looking through some recent Smart and Simple Matters iTunes reviews, and there are some super sweet ones to highlight. Uh, First of all, Jennifer Madison, yes, you, you rock. Second of all, Someone with the handle of Forest Tree Nut in iTunes said this, and it made me beam like, uh, I don't know, something shot out of the USS Enterprise. Star Trek, y'all. Here's the quote. Joel is quite the quirkster, always singing or doing something silly. But his information and guests are approachable and useful for anyone looking to live a simpler and more fulfilling life. Well, uh, Forest Tree Nut, with a handle like that, and from this quirkster to what I'm assuming is another quirkster, (laughs) thanks a ton for your written sunshine. Moving along. We are three and a half weeks, three and a half weeks away from the start of Simple Rev 2015, and that fact is a combination of bananas, crazy pants, and something I like to call sweet, sassy, molassy. (laughs) (laughs) I've been making my co-host, Anthony Ungaro of BreakTheTwitch.com, a bit weary from staring at spreadsheets with me, but our planning sessions are yielding a highly unconventional, highly intentional, and highly community-oriented event. Uh, So, so good to have my fellow Simple Rev Brain Trust member, Sarah Wakecamp of ParentsWho.com, mostly back in action now that her newest dude, Alan, is past two months old. We've actually been moving some tickets quite briskly in the last two weeks, which is also a combination of bananas, crazy pants, and sweet sassy molassie, especially if you remember what I said about Simple Rev 2015 ticket sales in episode 81. I credit the price drop, the rising enthusiasm and awareness for what we're doing, and some promotional support from friends and fellow event participants like Courtney Carver, Joshua Becker, Mark and Angel Chernoff, and many, many others. We're sending and feeling the love now, folks. Keep it up. Okay, uh, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but let's talk clutter. 
As you'll hear me discuss in my interview with today's guest, Miriam Ortiz Epino, I'm pretty much the only public-facing minimalist or simple living advocate who avoids the topic of clutter. Now, you'll understand why as you listen along, but Miriam graciously holds me accountable for my noticeable silence on such a big issue and adds a ton of value in the process. We'll talk about her shift from what I call a pack rat stacker to an organized simplifier, why clutter is really just unresolved pile of decisions, and five steps that you can use to streamline your stuff and life. Uh Uh-oh, we'll also talk superheroes, rock art, cheeseburgers, and how to maximize the time you get to be lazy. Sounds delicious, eh? Here we go. Howdy from the land of haters. Guess what? I'm revved up because my guest today is Miriam Ortiz Epino, a certified professional organizer, simplicity expert and coach, entrepreneur, writer, blogger, creator of the streamlined system, and I strongly suggest and suspect a multi-potentialite. For 15 years, she has been working with entrepreneurs and other creative folks to gain control of their time, stuff, and space so they can focus on what they do. Plus, she's practiced voluntary simplicity for 20-ish years and knows how to bust my chops in some fun ways. We're going to have some fun with that one. Miriam, welcome to your long overdue appearance on the show. Thanks, Joel. It's great to be here. Cool. Cool. Hey, let's hit people Seeds of Awesomeness style, which is where I always start so that people can understand who you are and how you've come to be who you are. Would you share one or two experiences of your childhood growing up or maybe even something about the environment of your youth that gives us a picture into why you've come to be the woman that you are right now? Wow. So many stories. So little time. Um, (laughs) I guess I would say... That even as a kid, I was one of those kids that lined stuff up and tried to establish some order on things. So that's where the organizing comes in. But I will admit, I was a little bit of a pack rat and not a hoarder, but I kept a lot of things, but I knew where they were and they were grouped together and categorized. And I didn't do a whole lot of editing, mostly just um, stacking things up and lining them up and (laughs) that kind of thing. So it took a while till I realized that if I spent all that time lining things up, I wasn't actually ever doing anything or creating anything. And so when I added the time component into the mix, I suddenly realized, oh, if I had fewer things, I'd have less to line up and I'd have more time to go out and play. So that was weird to happen at such a young age, I think. But <laughs> well, when you say <laughs> made lining- a connection lining things up Mm -hmm. what does that look like can you give me an example oh well I used to you know like my teddy bears I would actually line them up around the perimeter of my room sitting against the wall my um doll clothes would be actually hung on their little doll hangers and lined up by color in the little doll wardrobe um I used to collect these little glass colored bottles And I would line them up on my windowsill so they'd catch the light just right. Mm -hmm. But it was actually setting things up in a row. (laughs) 
<laughs> setting things up in a row. My son, uh, Grant, who's four and a half now, he does that with his stuffed animals too on his bed. Yeah, I they think you need mentioned to be that on just a so. And I know where he gets that from. He gets that from me. I've always been very interested in lining things up and having things being parallel and perpendicular to each other. It's always kind of fun to see where that comes from. And as far as, you know, moving along a little bit later in life beyond your teddy bear years, who knows where they ended? I won't ask you, but (laughs) (laughs) listening to your interview with Dan and Vanessa Hayes on Simple Life Together, which was a fantastic one. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes because there's a lot of gems there for other folks who like what we're talking about here. You, You spoke to those two about your mom and how she was super busy and she really struggled to keep things organized. She had this sense of what the right thing or the perfect house was and she could never do it. So you came along initially Mm -hmm. to help your mom out with systems and with processes so that you could have fun in your house and so things could be more orderly. Is that? Do you think that's part of it too in terms of your drive to bring order to a somewhat chaotic environment? Was it really based on your physical environment as a youth or what? Is there more to it than that? Ooh, we're going deep. I don't know. I think there was something to the physical because, so my mom wasn't a total mess or anything like that, but she would set up a system and then she would be so busy that, you know, the stuff didn't always get put away as soon as I would have liked it because I liked a cleaner, neater, tidier space to be in. So there, and she had just more tolerance for stuff being left out. Um, but when I made that connection, I realized that I could help her out by being the one that actually put the stuff away into the system she had set up. And then when we moved, we had to change some stuff around, and I wanted to figure out a little bit more, and she happened to have a couple organizing books. And so I actually read the books so I'd know what I was doing. <laughs> and then I just took it from there. Like Once I understood the whole concept of how to organize and, and categorize and set up a system, I just fell in love with that. I don't know why. It's kind of weird, but... <laughs> well, weird in the sense that I don't know of any other kids who read books about how to organize. Yeah. I'm sure there are some out there, but it's just... It's not the kind of thing that enters into normal conversation. Hey, when I was uh, 10, I read this amazing book about organizing. It's just not something that normally pops up. Yeah. I mean, I, I had read... It, it was one of the Irma Bombach books, so it was funny, too, that I ha- hate housekeeping book or something and then you know there's actually in most cookbooks there's like pages full of how to set up a kitchen most people don't know that these days but cookbooks were originally to help you develop a household so it had all these suggestions of how to set up your kitchens to make cooking and baking easy and so I read like all those pages and stuff just to see if we could make it any better we could work less have more fun what do you mean cook, a cookbook helps you set up your home? Yeah. Like it's a holistic perspective of here's how you live your life through a cookbook? Yeah. So, okay, cookbooks didn't used to be just from the chef at the one restaurant and about his seven recipes. <laughs> they used to be about how to cook for your family and keep your family healthy and happy through food and community and sitting together at the table. And so there's like in Joy of Cooking, in all the Julia Child books, in um, Martha Stewart still has it in her main books, the Better Homes and Garden, the red and white checkered one, there's whole pages on 
these are the tools you need in your kitchen. These are the basic things you need to keep in your pantry. This is how you set a table. This is how you might clean up these kinds of spills. Here are the life skills that you need in order to have a uh, happy, clean, organized household. Exactly. Okay. Well, you can tell. I think I'm giving away how many cookbooks that I've read, which is approximately zero. Maybe I need to do something about that. Now they don't really do that so much, but the good ones have a whole section in how to set up your kitchen. Yeah. All right. Well, you clearly know how to set up a kitchen. It sounds like you probably know how to cook pretty well, too. But I, I, you you like variety. And I, I remember reading from uh, your background, different jo- all the different jobs that you've had over the years, all the different interests that you've pursued and how they kind of ebb and flow with the other things that are coming into your life. That's wonderful. And I'm the same way, too. Uh, has that been a challenge for you as somebody who really values that additional time that you create through simplifying and organizing to juggle all of these different things that keep popping up? Oh, yeah. I think that's probably my hardest thing is I'm interested in so many things that I would like to be participating in a lot of things. But especially once I became an entrepreneur, that became harder. When I had jobs, it was always, this is the job I have so I can do the things I'm interested in. But now I'm actually as equally interested in running a business and helping people simplify and get organized as I am in all the other things I do. Mm-hmm. So the lines have blurred a bit. And I probably, um, last year I probably went a little bit to the one side where I was doing a lot of things I was interested in and my business suffered just a little bit because of it. And this year I'm back fully into the business and I haven't done anything super fun to the frequency that I'd like. So I'm, I'm still searching for that balance. Yeah. That all work. Well, I think your baseline is pretty good and establishing that baseline, even if you get close to it, that's the Mm -hmm. difficult part is once you raise your baseline level of simplicity or how organized your thoughts are or how detached you can make yourself from outcomes and just kind of smooth out the emotional roller coaster that a lot of us ride all the time, you seem to have a lot of that figured out. I know I'm putting words in your mouth. Am I right? Um, No, I think you really are. I've realized with a lot of my clients that organized people are not perfect. They're not, they haven't got it all figured out. It's not like it's ever done. We just have the mindset that we know where our things are and what's going to happen with them. And we know we're choosing to spend our time on certain things. It's always at the expense of something else. We just don't worry about dropping that ball because we have a system in place to pick it back up very easily or catch it before it runs down the hill. So it's kind of a more of a juggling thing than a balance thing. When you think about life work balance and interest balance and all the different things we all do every day. You got to set them against each other in a way so that you leverage as much of the effort as possible and maximize the, the fun and the reward. Mm, the fun and the reward, the good part. I, instead of juggling, I'm imagining you spinning plates. So you've got one on your toes and one on your fingers and one on your head to kind of keep with the cooking kitchen theme here, the spinning plates. Actually, uh-huh. that reminds me, uh, I want to I stir the pot a little bit here. And I want to okay. talk about something that I never talk about on the show, which is clutter. Uh, and uh-huh. for context, I'm pretty sure that I'm the only podcaster in this whole simplicity organizing space who never 
never talks about clutter, at least if I can help it. And, mm-hmm. and you, you called me to task uh, over, we were exchanging emails recently, and you called me out in a good way about my clutter hangups. And I'm, re- I'm really glad that you challenged me to address the topic right here, right now. So we're going to talk a little clutter for a change. Um, I don't know why I've got a problem with the word. I mean, I, I guess I kind of do. It's not worth getting into right now. We can, you can use a different word if you want, Joel. No, you no, no, can no. call it piles of crap if you want to. Pile of crap, clutter. <laughs> Let's stick with clutter. It's fewer syllables. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with that right here. First of all, so here's one of the key questions that I wanted you and why I'm excited to have you talking right now. This clutter thing. Mm-hmm. Why is it such a barrier to simplifying? Oh, I've never had that question asked before. Let me think about that. Um, clutter is the stuff that's in our way. So it's automatically a barrier. And clutter is anything that's in our way, whether it's thoughts, actual physical items, people, ideas, um, hangups, all those things can be in your way and it's clutter. And clutter is really just piles of unmade decisions or things you set here for now or put over there till you can deal with it hmm. or scooped off the table, put into a bag and hidden in the closet when the people come over and then forgotten about until the next time you do that. And three years later, you have 27 bags in the closet. It's that undone, unfinished, undecided on things that weigh you down, drag you down, keep you from moving forward, um, and keep you from enjoying the things you want to be enjoying or doing. I've never thought about it that way. As clutter as uh, undecided emotion mm-hmm. or your inability to complete or follow through on something and just kind of sweep it aside or let it stack up and not deal with it. It's an interesting yep. perspective to do. Now, I, I know from your perspective in terms of what you do, which you do really well, el- helping people eliminate the, I think you call it the excess and redundant in their lives. Yeah. Now, that's huge, the excess and redundant, because you said it could be your physical stuff, it could be your emotions, it could be your relationships, it could be the environment in which you live. How do you take a holistic approach to this clutter problem to this giant barrier and from your perspective like when you go in there and you get with a new client and you start assessing how am I going to eliminate an excess redundant is there some kind of standardized process that you have for it or it's all contextual based on the type of person that you're working with both I created the streamlined system which is the five steps I walk all of my clients through to help figure that out So I also think that going through clutter, finally dealing with your clutter, is the fastest and easiest way to get yourself out of overwhelm, out of depression, help eliminate anxiety, um, and figure out who you want to be. So, you know, all those life coaches out there that run you through a bunch of different exercises to figure out your life purpose and all that stuff, it's all there in your stuff. You've just not been looking at it right. So when I take people through, we actually look at every single thing. And as I hear them talk about it or how they make decisions about it or when they make a face about having to make a decision about it, it gives me the clues to help them set up and keep just the things that are going to make the most difference for them. 
Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of intuitive, kind of experiential, but it all comes down to dealing with your stuff. All right, now we got to break it down for the people, Miriam. Five yeah. steps. Can we do this? Can we do this in like five steps in five minutes? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's just an arbitrary number. We don't really have to keep it to five minutes, but let's, <laughs> let's take it from the top. Okay, the streamlined system, step number one. Go. Step number one is we actually design a plan on what you want to achieve. So I'm, in, I'm big on reverse engineering. If you want to bake a cake, you need, you know, the pans and the ingredients and the thing to stir the ingredients in the pan and you need somehow to bake it, you know, and then whatever's left over, then we see if we keep those things too. So if you are, if we're working on your desk, you need to have a certain number of things on your desk, depending on what it is you do at your desk. We keep those things on the desk, everything else goes. So we break it down to what's essential first, but First, we've developed kind of an overall plan. Like, what are you going for? Are you trying to start a new business? Are you trying to take over the kids' rooms because they've gone off to college and you want to reclaim that space? Are you looking to downsize? Are you about to hop in an RV and go away for two years? What, what are you trying to accomplish? Because that'll inform how much stuff you get to keep. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so start <laughs> with the end in mind. Designing yes. that plan on what you want to achieve. Sounds yeah. like a pretty reasonable place to start. I'm on board. It does, I right? Think people who are listening right now, they're nodding their heads. They're saying, okay, Miriam, good good so far. What we about- need a little bit of a map. <laughs> right. Okay, roadmap. Whether you're yeah. in your RV or whether you're just in your house, everybody could use a good roadmap. Also a good recipe if we're sticking with our cooking theme. I have a feeling right now people are getting really hungry. We're making people hungry like, geez, geez <laughs> just I'm keep starving. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's reorient. So step number two. Step number two is to actually evaluate and arrange your stuff in your space. So it's actually, this is what, this is the actual kind of sorting and purging stage of things where we look at what you have and we kind of go through some decision-making practice because you get better at decisions as you practice. So we look at every single thing and say, are you keeping it or not? And then once we know what you're keeping, then we decide where it's going to be kept. What's the criteria? for are you keeping it or not? Do you propose a framework for people to operate in or you just talk through this with people and you say, okay, let's start to assess how you can emotionally, mentally, physically decide, is this thing good? Is it bad? Does it have a place? Does it need to go? We already have most of the criteria in place because we've designed the plan with what you want to achieve. So if we take it back to that cake example, if you want to bake a cake, you need the pan, something to stir the batter with, the ingredients that make up the batter, you need the oven to bake it in. Well, let's say all of a sudden in the middle of all that, we run across a cheese grater. But (laughs) I can always use some cheese. cheese. (laughs) I live in Minnesota, right next to Wisconsin. I mean, I went to school in Wisconsin. I can always use a cheese grater and some cheese, but maybe not for my cake. And maybe I don't need three cheese graters. Exactly. So that's where it starts helping you figure it out. So because clutter is the unmade decisions and the people avoiding decisions, they often have a hard time making decisions early in the process. And so I do have some tricks to help them do that, but always within the framework of what they're trying to achieve. Got it. So, you know, you don't really need to keep the dress you wore on the first date with your first husband when you're on husband number three. 
you don't really need to keep every single piece of artwork your kids made to remember you have kids. You need to have, you know, a little bit of a limit on that. And depending on what you're trying to achieve at any given point in your life will determine what, where the kind of harder lines are drawn about that stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But this is the part that's great for curiosity, figuring out who you are, what's actually important to you. And then that gets tied into the plan too. So not everyone's interested in simplifying their life. A lot of my clients just want to get organized so they can do what, what they do. They don't care about moving into a tiny house. They don't care about less impact on the environment. They don't care about that stuff. They just want their life to be easier. So that's where I have to kind of sneak in the simplicity ideas and tell them, mm-hmm. oh, it's really the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard Vanessa Hayes talk about the secret simplicity plan, although she's pretty overt about it. She's almost more of a professional simplifier than a professional organizer. Uh, I had a guest, Andrew Mellon, talked about, uh, he's also a professional organizer, the yeah, stuff behind the stuff. Mm-hmm. which is what he works in too is yeah we're getting rid of your stuff we're getting rid of your clutter but it's not about that it's about the stuff behind the stuff so it's mm-hmm. it's uh intriguing to hear you take a similar approach and how you yeah. try to integrate things all right step number two evaluate and arrange your stuff through sorting and purging what about right. number three number three is to create the systems and routines to make maintaining that space easy so you know, it's a lot easier to do your dishes when you only have four plates, four glasses, four mugs, right? Than it is when you have 30. Yes. (laughs) You just have fewer to do. It's easier to do laundry when you have to do it every week because you only have that many clothes. You know, there's little things that we can create. And in terms of when I work with entrepreneurs, we set up the workflow. So a lot of times they're they feel just inundated and how do I prioritize what needs to happen? If you create workflows and systems and then turn it into routines as well, then it all goes much smoother. You know exactly what you need to, um, to actually do those routines to make your work flow. This is a pretty general question, so it's okay if you have a general response, but creating a system, great. Mm-hmm. I know lots of people who are wonderful at it, even great at doing it themselves. Actually using that system and creating the rituals and habits for the maintenance, right? Because creating a system doesn't do you any good. You have to use that system. Where's the link between the creation and mm-hmm. the using of it? How do you bridge those two things? Because for a lot of folks, that's just an enormous gap and they can't actually implement the thing that you help them create. Correct. That's why my system has ways of developing the habits so that they get long-lasting results built right in. It's step number four we actually then work to create the habit. So there's accountability in my programs. Every, the way I structure all my programs, I don't just go in and work with people by the hour until we're done going through all their stuff. It's a structured program where we go through their stuff. We create the system, they use it. We tweak it. We talk about it, make sure it's working. Every time I go see them, we make sure what's already done has stayed done and that they're able to maintain it. And then, by the end of the, our engagement, which is usually six months, they've got the habits in place. And each habit, each room we do, each space we do builds on the last one. And so the habit just continues into a new area. It doesn't change the habit all that much. So that's step four, form habits and find accountability. There's kind of two parts yep. to it. Did I get exactly. that right? 
Yeah. Okay. Now, what about so for the for six months? I know if you're working with me and you're on my team and you're pushing me, I'm good. Mm-hmm. But what about that handoff? So six months is done. You say fly, fly, be free, pursue your own thing. <laughs> oh, you're off on your own now. Do you do you coach people to find other accountability partners to make sure that they don't totally fall off the wagon or? Is there some kind of what do you, what do you recommend after everything is good? You're working, you're efficient machine. Do things just stay that way because now it's just inertia, right? Things that are in motion stay in motion. Or do you find that people struggle to maintain the kind of um, sorting, purging systems, routines, maintenance that you have helped them instill through those first four steps? Well, if I did my job properly, they have changed their mindset enough to know that. I have the system in place. It is actually up to me to use it. If I don't use it, it's my own darn fault. But having said that, of course, anytime there can be accountability, anytime that accountability can get tied back to their original reason for wanting to do it in the first place, just solidifies it. And I'm always available to my clients. Anyone I've worked with over the years, I'm always available to them via email or phone call when something changes and they need um the motivation or just a suggestion to make it work with what we've already set up. So they actually end up with access to me forever. Whoa, forever. The forever access plan. Crazy, right? Oh, that is Someday I may regret that, but as of right now. (laughs) It's working for you and for them. It works fine. But you know, it's it's also really, really rewarding for me when, you know, just a few weeks ago I happened to call someone that I worked with almost nine years ago. And I was just checking in to see how she was doing. And, and so I call her up and she's like, you know that stuff you set up for me? It still works. Awesome. And it was like, that is excellent. Because one of the things that people call me about in the first place is the fact that they feel like all they ever do is reorganize. It's like, no, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> if all you ever do is reorganize and then two weeks later have to do it again, you didn't do it right. Hmm. Because it should become a seamless system that you don't think of as reorganizing, you just think of using. Well, one thing that kind of you slipped in there, I want to make sure that I really key on so that people understand, is reattaching it to your why. So what's what's the point? Are you doing this for yourself um, so that you can travel more because you're not just a train wreck all the time? Are you doing it for your family so your family can have a relaxing atmosphere, something with more creativity? Are you doing it for your community? Like, What's the reason why you want to get your act together and constantly either having someone else remind remind you of it or you having some kind of method of saying, okay, this is kind of a pain in the butt. But I'm doing it because, and then having that big resonant reason why. So I just want to make sure that people understood, and I'm glad that you do that too, is the process, the systems, all wonderful. But the reason why you're doing it in the first place is so critical. Let's, yeah. let's talk step number five. All right. So we, just t- we spoke about habits and accountability. What's mm-hmm. the last one? Step number five is to actually... Enjoy the peace, freedom, joy, and possibility that you have created. Oh, that's lovely. Right? (laughs) Isn't that automatic? Or do people need help with that? Well, sometimes they're like, well, we did it, and now what? And it's like, remember what you wanted to do while we were doing this? Now you get to do that. You know, so there's, you know, sit back and actually do those things you've been putting off, those 
books you haven't read, that trip you wanted to take, that craft you wanted to pick back up because you were too busy dealing with your clutter all day long. Mm-hmm. Now you get to actually do those things. Yeah, I, I would imagine that, holy cow, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. I, I'm actually, I'm not a, running around like crazy. Uh, my environment is relaxing as opposed to stressing me. I, I think, uh, who is it? I'm trying to remember. There's a Elaine St. James. There's a book that uh, she wrote, Living the Simple Life, mm-hmm. which I read probably a couple of years ago. And just, it, it would make for a fabulous, in, fabulous intro for people who aren't familiar with a lot of the Western culture principles of minimalism and simplicity. I have a feeling most folks who are listening to this are already familiar with it, but she covers all these different aspects of simplicity in all these bite-sized pieces. Uh, and yep. one of the things is, now what? Like, it feels really, really weird. We are so used to, from a cultural perspective, we are so used to being on all the time and on the go and doing things what happens? And people really struggle with that. Once they simplify to a certain extent, it's like, oh my goodness, I can do just about anything right now. But what is that anything? They've never stopped long enough to actually assess, this is what I do now with this ample free time that I have. Well, and that's part of you know the process when we're going through their stuff and the curiosity factor, we're figuring that out. Because a lot of times we think we should be quilting. Or we should be creating spreadsheets. And then when yes, we actually yes, we dig should. into it, it's kind of like, or maybe not. Maybe I actually like knitting better. But everyone else in my family was quilters, and so I thought that's what I should be doing. Or maybe, um, you know, when I read Elaine St. James's book, Simplify Your Life. She's like I me. Think- she has simple everywhere, whether it's value of simple, simple rev, smart and simple right. matters. She's all about the simple. Okay, so a different I simple did book. All- 30 of her exercises when I first started doing it. I did all 30 of them. But one of the things that made me pause and think and actually move from San Francisco back to New Mexico was living near where you work. And at the time, I only lived four blocks away from my job in San Francisco. And I walked to work. But then I really wanted to be back in New Mexico because it was easier and simple. And I thought, well, in New Mexico, it's different. Everyone drives to work. How am I going to keep it simple? And I went, oh, I'll start my own business and work from home. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, it applies to everything. What are you going to do to live the life you actually want? And do you know what that is? Or do we have to discover it by actually starting to make some decisions about what you've accumulated over the years? Yeah. That's wonderful when, if you can't do that internally, and I couldn't for the first 30 years of my life, I never actually had these thoughts. It wasn't until I, you know, an external event, Melinda getting pregnant, my wife um, pushed me into that. Okay, so what is it that I want? What kind of environment do I want to create? What kind of work do I want to do? And you have a really strong reason why. Uh, Actually, just for the benefit of everybody who's listening here, so moving from San Fran back to New Mexico so that you could have a different environment, both that physical environment. I know you love being close to the mountains and you're super close there, but you also love city life. What, mm-hmm. what are your pillars? You know, what, what's the reason why you are where you are and do what you do? I'm lazy. <laughs> and honest. That's great. Yeah. Um, two of the, my favorite things to do are watch TV and read books. And if I can maximize the amount of time to do that, I'll do it. 
if you throw in some nature and art and pretty buildings at the same time, I'm good. So for me, it was all about just that peace, calm, space, and time to be able to enjoy other people's creative endeavors. What do you mean enjoy other people's? So TV, that's somebody created that. They produced that yeah. for you and you can enjoy it. Books. Someone came up with The Walking Dead. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> From what I understand, it's pretty cool. I have never seen, but I know that there are, are lots of fans. I, I have a number of friends who rave about it. They say, Joel, Joel, you got to watch this show. And I tell them, I don't watch any shows. I know there's like a thousand shows that I have to watch. And I'm sure they're amazing but I just don't watch TV. But apparently yeah. The Walking Dead is something that's up there. Yeah. So, you know, I don't do a lot of other hobbies. So I don't feel bad about watching TV because it's, it's part of my thing. You shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't. No. There's, there's a little bit of a stigma, actually, associated with uh, whether it's just doing a ton of reading on your Kindle or watching TV for a period of time. I mean, yes, in a way, it is somewhat passive and it is consumption-oriented, where you're not, um, you know, outdoors typically when you're watching TV. You're not creating uh, when you're watching TV. But man, there is a place and a space for when you free up that time to just do whatever the heck that you want. And I'm glad that you don't have any kind of remorse and that you're proud of the fact that you have ample time for TV and for reading books. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, it's for me. You know, that going back to that stigma thing, it's like especially in the entrepreneurial circles, it's like, well, if you're not, if your business isn't as successful as you want it to be, stop watching TV. And it's like, or you could stop going to the races because you race cars, or you could stop traveling around the world half the year because you like to travel, or you could not take your dog to the park twice a day because you like dogs. I mean, there's, I just choose to do that instead of all those more hobby things that you do. Mm Mm-hmm. And just because I'm not out and active, I mean, I go outside every single day and walk around. It's not, it's not either or. It's like it's fit into my schedule as one of my hobbies. I don't do a lot of crafts because I get my creativity by helping people set up their systems. That's where I my creative outlet. So it's all just a matter of what you're about, not what everyone else thinks you should be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you get out a bit. Actually, I heard I heard this somewhere. You have a day each week where you pick and you don't allow yourself to drive a car unless there's some kind of emergency circumstance. You just walk everywhere that day. Yeah. That's awesome. And actually, there's usually two or three days a week that I don't drive anywhere, but for sure one. Yeah. And uh, there's other things that you do. I heard you say that you wear a uniform, which is something that I'm working towards as well. I really need to get rid of some of these t-shirts which are hilarious i get complimented on my t-shirts all the time because (laughs) there's something that a 19 year old would wear and people think that it's hilarious that this 35 year old at the grocery store with his two kids with him is wearing some nerdy science t-shirt that makes him laugh uh but i really mean my green lantern t-shirt is inappropriate for a 48 year old woman oh heavens no green lantern (laughs) (laughs) superman the flash maybe firestorm i could see how firestorm would be inappropriate but green lantern no never see yeah it's all a matter of perspective so yeah i'm getting back to my uniform i used to be really good at the uniform dressing and then i when i started doing more speaking engagements i hired a stylist to help me out and 
she made me branch out and try other things. And while, yes, they're great and beautiful and make me feel pretty, they don't fit into my simple lifestyle quite right. Mm -hmm. So I even had to kind of put a uniform spin on my speaking wardrobe. So it's evolving because <laughs> I don't like shopping, so it takes a while. But um, Yeah, you and me both. I actually had my annual pilgrimage, if you can call it that, to the Mall of America, which is only about 15 minutes away from where I live in the Twin Cities. Uh, oh, I've just, been there. just a few days ago, I went for two hours. I walked around every floor, and I came out empty-handed. Uh, I don't it's know why I need to continue. It's a good place to shop, actually. No, it's, I don't know. I, this clothes shopping thing, it's just frustrating, mostly because I'm a giant. And it's just really hard to find things that fit. But I to, how tall are you? I'm uh, six feet six inches, or for the metric crew, about two meters. <laughs> I'm tall. Hey, I want to make sure um, we're having a lot of fun here, which is great. I love episodes which are both really useful, really practical, and also a heavy dose of fun, uh, a dash, a splash. I, I did want to ask you a couple of things uh, first. Okay. Uh, number one. Where's the best place to get rock art posters? At rock star shows. <laughs> rock star shows? You are a rock so, art poster collector or enthusiast connoisseur. I don't know what word to associate with that. Yeah. Well, I used to work for Bill Graham Presents. So I worked at the Warfield and the Fillmore, which are famous for their posters. Yeah. And when you work, you get a poster. So I kind of had a lot of them that way but i also have several artist friends in albuquerque that do local ones here and um so i have a few of those and i don't know i just really like the ones that i have and there's some others out there that i don't have that i kind of covet a little bit but i I don't have yet okay all right cool uh yeah question number two (laughs) is it your minimalist nature that makes you not put anything on your cheeseburgers i think so I have no idea. No, I think it's just because I don't actually like vegetables. No ketchup? No lettuce? No. No. No onions? No. Never? No. Okay. I like onions in my spaghetti sauce, but not on my burgers. Got it. I'm the same way. I've always been a plain cheeseburger guy. (laughs) Probably always will. Just wondering why you did it. It's so good. It's like the perfect blend of bun, meat, and cheese. It's like if the proportions are just right. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I doing the paleo thing that I've been doing for the last five years or so, so I go bunless. Uh-huh. Sometimes I'll wrap it into a big thing of uh, romaine if I can get my hands on it. The yeah, cheese, it is not the same thing, Joel. It's not. I know. But it still does it for me. The cheese is really the critical part, too. <laughs> Going back to the cheese graters. Is cheese paleo? No, but I'm not paleo orthodox. Oh, okay. Uh, there is some da- so You're yogurt. Paleo light. Mm, I don't know where I fall on, on the spectrum, but cheese and <laughs> yogurt, a lot of dairy. It's just I'm not convinced that it's detrimental to my health. And if anything, based yeah. on anecdotal evidence and also my personal experiments, it's delicious, and I think it fuels me properly. So I just keep it around. Yeah, you know, going back to minimalist thinking on eating. I think we've gone a little crazy over food systems or food plans. It's like, just eat what your body is asking you to put in it, not counting the sugar. Mm -hmm. Because if you eat too much fat, your body starts going, "Eh." (laughs) and if you eat not enough protein, your body starts going, "Eh." (laughs) you know, it kind of tells you what 
you actually need. And the one time I tried doing something that was a more structured, heart-healthy diet, I was starving for weeks, and I felt cranky and tired and pissed off all the time. And I'm like, this isn't working for me. And I added cheese back into my diet, and it was like, I'm happy now. (laughs) (laughs) The magical happy food. So I can't, I don't think that not eating cheese is going to make me healthier that much longer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I had to, I had to take a slight detour or a major detour on our conversation, but I do want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like people to know? No. I mean, we hit the highlights. I think clutter is a major impediment to minimalist living. Yeah. I'm pumping my fist right now, and I think my relationship with clutter has finally turned a corner. So wait, here's the one thing, though, about the clutter minimalist connection is that sometimes people do minimalist things and they play one of the games or do one of the more drastic suggestions and they get rid of all their clutter and then they're left alone with their own thoughts. And that is a very, very scary place to be. Hmm. So if you do it a little more gradually and with purpose, it's not scary on the other end it's just fantastic if you clean up your mind first then everything else is going to be a lot better that's been my experience and a lot of other people's too all right well i want to make sure you uh have something pretty nifty on your website the one minute mail and email solution kit people can Mm -hmm. get that on your homepage. i believe you also mentioned something to me before we started recording some kind of 30 minute coaching dealio would you like to tell people about that yeah so um, as I said during, during our chat, that accountability is a huge part of my program. And I do offer the Streamline Solutions online course. And it's just an audio and, and workbook scenario that you can buy on my site if you want to. Um, but the one piece missing from an online course is usually the accountability. So anyone that actually purchases it and types in uh, Joel sent me into the comment section on the on the checkout page. I will send you a link to sign up for a free thirty minute coaching call with me to use after you've gone through the materials, so that you can ask me specific questions to your situation and make sure this stuff gets applied specifically to you. That's cool. I like the approach. I like the generosity, and I will link to that in the show notes. Uh, Miriam, thanks. Thanks for the conversation. Thanks for the fun. Thanks for the insight. Uh, for people who want to follow you on social media or perhaps want to check out your hub online, where do they go to get more? All right. So there's the blog, which is on the website, morethanorganized.net. There's Facebook, which is More Than Organized. There's Twitter, which is Twitter and Pinterest are both M-O-Y-P-M-T-O. Um, Oh, is Pinterest different now? I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Don't worry about it. All the fun places that you are online, people just need to go to the show notes and they'll click a link and boom, they're going to be there. But yeah, I'm kind of everywhere. Okay, but more than organized.net. I would imagine that that links out to pretty much everywhere else that people need to go. Yeah. Groovy. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. And uh, I think we will at some point in the future do this again. There's a lot of other topics that we haven't covered that I think would make for some wonderful conversation. All righty then. 
That was the wonderful, the wonderfully challenging and insightful Miriam Ortiz Epino taking me to task and helping you in the process. If you didn't already know, well, now you better understand why clutter is such a barrier to simplifying. How to, uh, you know, sneak in a little simplicity when you're organizing and why rock shows just took on a brand new meaning. Oh man, I love the way that she rocks out. If you're digging Miriam and her work like I am, show her some love by making a trip to morethanorganized.net or checking out the show notes at valueofsimple.com slash SASM082 to get links to her social media hangouts and the groovy resources we discussed. For the highly motivated, remember that Miriam offered a 30-minute coaching call to you worth a hundred bucks if you buy her Streamline Solutions series and type Joel sent me in the comment section when you check out. I won't get a commission if you do it. I just get the knowledge that you're taking a big old positive step to streamline your life. That is awesome. If you'd like to directly support me though, and I'm sure Miriam will be pleased that I'm saying this since she's been so encouraging about helping me get over my money avoidance hangups, you'll see information in the show notes about how to support this show and our community via Patreon at valueofsimple.com slash Patreon. And if you're not already a podcast subscriber, email newsletter getter dude or dudette, or want to leave a brief iTunes review, you'll also find links to all of that jazz at valueofsimple.com slash SASM082. Also, I thrive, darn right thrive, on connecting with you and really rely on your insight every day to make this show better. So if you have something to share, I am all ears and eyes. My email is joel at valueofsimple.com. I'm on Twitter at Joel Zaslavsky. And I'm proudly active on Google+, Plus. if that's your thing. I know I keep mentioning it. I want to hang out with you on Google+. Plus. I'm a lot of places, so wherever it is that you are, and if I'm there too, let's connect. If you got something out of this episode or just generally dig the show, hey, will you just share it with some groovy folks? People depend on you to point them to the good stuff, the groovy stuff, and I'm always grateful when you show me some love by talking about what we are building here together. You are splendid, wonderfully fantastic. Yes, a combination of all three of those things. And constantly kicking my booty to do better, truly making this show and everything that we're doing together possible. Thank you. It's now time for your partner in simplifying to sign off again. You've just listened to the Smart and Simple Matters podcast with Joel Zaslowski, creator of all things value of simple.